Welcome to Launch Your Wealth. Jonah Lemons here, your podcast host, real estate entrepreneur, and a mom of six talented kids, taking a new stance on life, business, and wealth empowerment. I'm very excited to be here as we are making it across the globe from US, Canada, Germany, Norway, Australia, and Philippines. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Real Estate Launch Series officially kicked off with Yona Wise, who is a cost segregation expert and founder of the Real Estate Connections Virtual Meetup. We shared an open conversation about entrepreneurship, financial education, and highlighted some tax strategies through real estate investing. If you haven't tuned in, you can find it on Apple Podcasts and Anchor.fm. This is such an important topic for me to dive into and really bring attention to how we can all learn from especially with our current pandemic and how many lives are affected today. I am a believer that in every problem, there is an alternative solution. In today's episode, with Juan Vargas, the host of Commit to Wealth podcast and a real estate investor who works on multifamily investing, commercial real estate syndication. It was such a pleasure to share an open conversation about his own experience, the lessons learned, and the no-fluff approach to real estate education for those who want to get started in this business, both passive or actively pursuing their ventures. If you're a new investor just getting started, a millennial midway there, or you're getting started to do something more in life to create that financial growth, or maybe you're interested to enter the entrepreneurial path, or maybe you want that freedom, not rely on a job, not on a career, not on retirement savings account, or maybe you feel that it's time. It's time to exit the corporate America lifestyle. Then I can simply put it this way. Juan Vargas has touched on relatable topics, lessons learned that can enlighten you. So let's get started. So I want to welcome you and thank you so much for for joining me. And, you know, Tell us a little bit about how, when, what got you started on your path to multifamily. And I know it's not so much of the, the strategies or technicalities, but because I think there's going to be some listeners that are just sort of contemplating, like, do I get into passive investing? Do I go into, you know, doing my own, you know, with the whole fix and flip and let me do joint ventures. It's so much out there. And I feel like there's an overload. So let me know if you, you know, want to take that on as far as what is the overload that's happening around. But first, you know, welcome to Launch Your Wealth and tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got started. So first of all, I want to thank you for the opportunity uh, of, uh, you know, inviting me here on your show. I I really do appreciate that. It's a a pleasure. It's it's an honor. So um, I want to make sure that I I tell you that. Um, So, um, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, And yeah, so Again, my name is Juan Vargas. I'm based out of Texas. Um, and you were asking more about like all the different investment vehicles and, and different investment types that you can do. And, and that you're right. There's so much out there and, and there's a lot of them that are really, really good. So how do you really identify what it is that you want to do and what it is that's best for you, right? That's, that's kind of a tough question, really, right? Um, or I guess you can say it's, it's a tough answer to, to, to really give you the, the truth. But I think everybody has to know where they're at, right? Either, either financially, 
um, you know, in, in what point in their lives they're at, uh, because that can really dictate what it is that's going to be the best choice for you moving forward, right? So, you know, within real estate, which is what I do, right? I do multifamily, um, you know, within real estate, I mean, you can do fix and flips, like you said, you can do wholesaling, um, you can do mobile home parks, you can do multifamily investing, you can do retail, there's so many different things. So what I would say is find one that kind of, you know, it, it, it grabs your attention, uh, something that, that you're, you're, you feel like you're going to enjoy, just read, read something about it, right? So read about multifamily, then read about fix and flips, um, and know that none of them is, none of each of these that I'm speaking about is going to be perfect, but there's going to be something about each one of them that you're going to like more, right? right. Um, and so find it is something that you're going to like about them, um, because, you know, once you're doing it, um, there's, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, right? So you have to understand that uh, that part of it, and you have to know that, you know, if you're going through some downs during a hold or during an acquisition or, or you name it, that, you know, the, the property itself, the, the asset class itself um, is, is a type that you liked from the beginning and, and it wouldn't be as bad, right? It's not going to be something that's going to be bringing you down, but rather you're going to be learning from it. So uh, for me, you know, that thing is, it's, uh, that vehicle is, is multifamily. Um, you know, I like multifamily for, for many, many reasons. Uh, but, you know, one of the main reasons is because of the, um, the necessity factor, right? It's a necessity. It's like, it's like renting houses. People need a place to, to live, right? They need a roof over their heads. So in multifamily, that's, that's what we have. We have the scalability. Um, you know, it's, it's very, very good financing that's available as well. Um, so you get leverage and, and debt. So there's so many different reasons that I can go into more detail. But, but I think, you know, find out, find out what, what it is that, that's, that's uh, your strength and, and mm -hmm. what it is that you like and then and go for it. So, I mean, you know, for those that don't know what, um, you know, you've been up to. So Juan runs his own podcast, Commit to Wealth, which mind you, I've been binging on a lot of podcasts and I might say um, that your podcast is so real. Like you can just, you know, understand when you're bringing on your guests, it's, it's almost like you're talking, like you're talking to a friend. And so, you know, and I've heard, I've heard from other people that I think mutually in LinkedIn was talking so highly of you. And uh, so I just want to let you know that, that, you know, with Thank the you. audience that maybe are not aware of, of, you know, where you're, you're at, you're in Texas. And so I guess with, with that question, you know, what were you doing before COVID hit and how did you get to the point where you are today? You know, maybe share a little bit of that, what deals you've been working on. Uh, what were some of the setbacks that you feel is so relevant right now because COVID hit, you know, a lot of people, I know with my own, there were, I think a couple of investors that I was helping with, we just had to kind of uh, pause because they were trying to refinance. They were trying to, you know, get on new properties. So a lot of that stuff shook, you know, it was, it was shaken at that point. So take us there, you know, what, what were you doing before COVID happened? Uh, what were some of the setbacks that maybe some of these new investors can learn from? Sure, sure. So before COVID, I, you know, I was in, in multifamily, right? I've been in multifamily for the last few years now. Um, you know, and, and, and you're right. I'm based in, in Texas. I'm based in Houston. So we own in Houston. We own in Dallas. We own in, in Phoenix. Uh, we like the, these major, more dynamic markets. Um, and so, you know, we were, you know, moving along. You know, we're ready for, for new deals, right? We had just closed on our uh, last deal in, in Houston, which was a, uh, which is a 264 unit uh, deal in Houston. And, you know, we had just closed down on it and, you know, we were seeing all, you know, everything that was going on. 
with, with COVID-19. And so we pretty much, you know, walked into it. Right. Um, and so we haven't owned the property in a normal, normal environment you right. Know, yet. Right. Um, but, um, th there was a lot of unknowns that, um, that we were also anticipating. Right. So a lot of that was collections. Um, so, you know, people being able to pay the rent, um, and then, you know, we, we have a business plan, right. And that part of that business plan is to do renovations and, and part of those after the renovations is to increase the revenue, right. Whether that's through increased, uh, rents or other income or just, you name it. Right. But a lot of that had to be put on pause, right. Uh, because there was so much uncertainty with the collections and with what was going to happen and how long it was going to happen. Um, so we put a lot of those CapEx uh, items on, on pause. Um, and so what is that going to do for us? Like for the, I guess the, the longer term, you know, mm -hmm. and, and when I mean by long term is maybe like a year or so, um, is that it's going to have to push our business plan, you know, a year or so, right. Because of, you know, what happened. Right. And that's not our fault. It's that, you know, anybody's fault really, but it's just one of those things that just happened. Right. So, you know, one of the main things was the collections, as I said, right having the ability to be able to collect um, and, and, and not miss a beat. Right. And that's something that we've been able to do. Fortunately, right. That's not just us. Um, it's, it's pretty much across the board in multifamily, you know, across the nation. Right. Uh, for the most part, um, most of the owner operators that I've talked to and, and even the, the data that I looked at, you know, um, the collections have been, you know, pretty close to pre COVID levels, which is very, very good. Now, what is the reason for that? You know, and, and that could be, you know, one of the main reasons for that is probably the, the stimulus packages um, or the package that we received, right, from the government, right? Um, and, you know, the unemployment benefits that we're getting, right, so some of our residents, right? And so I think a lot of this is inflated. So, you know, as, you know, before pre-COVID, maybe we're 95% collected or something like that, right, just to throw a number out there. And then during the COVID, we're like maybe 92, 93%. So we dropped a little bit. Um, but if we wouldn't have that, the stimulus package, then we would have been, you know, in the eighties or, or, or below that, right. Um, maybe seventies. So I think that that helped a lot, but you know, being right now that we're also going through another, uh, stimulus package round two, you know, I think that that'll definitely help, um, with the collections, you know, moving forward. It's what very much needed. At the time you, you're talking about the collections of rent, but where were you at in the tenancy? Was it fully occupied? Yeah. So, so as, as far as vacancy, or, or occupancy, you know, we were in the nineties, we're stabilized okay. on, on our deals. And, and actually uh, the occupancy has gone up for our deals, right? At least. Oh. Um, and, and that's because mainly, um, you know, we're, we're not able to evict, right? We're simply not able to evict because that's right. part of the, the moratorium that they put out that right. we can't evict. Um, as long as that, you know, the, the government and the, the CARES Act is, is in place. You know, if you have a, a, a federally backed um, mortgage or loan, Right. then you're not able to evict, right? If you have a bridge loan or, or some type of product that's different from that, then, then, uh, then yeah, you can proceed, you know, like normal, but you know, we have a federally backed, uh, government backed, you know, loan, which is Fannie or Freddie or, or HUD, one of those type of loans, you know? So this, this particular one that you use as an example, this is the one you closed in February. Cor what correct. Was, right. What was yes. the, um, what was the, uh, the price point, 254 unit, all that good stuff, maybe share with us. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So this is a a class B property in Houston. Um, you know, two hundred sixty four units. Um, and 
uh, we were able to acquire this deal for for almost a, a seven cap, just a just below okay. a seven cap. Two sixty four. Two two hundred sixty four unit. Yes. Okay. Um, Apologies. Yeah. So so the, so the business plan for this deal is to be able to renovate the the units, the remaining units. The the previous owner had done forty percent of the units, and we wanted to take that the remaining sixty percent that were not done. Um, and, and renovate those and then also add some other income sources such mm -hmm. as covered parking, uh, reserve okay. parking, um, you know, Wi-Fi, those type of things, right, that are, that are good yeah, amenities right. that, 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 that people need, right, that people expect nowadays, right? Uh, washer and dryer connections, um, you know, continue with that as well. Um, so, you know, the, the, the seller had, you know, um, invested about $8 million into the property. Um, so it was, you know, quite a bit. Um, and so, you know, we were able to take a, a good product and make it even better, right? Uh, obviously, right at, right now in the current state, you know, we have to pause that because of uh, the, you know uh, for obvious reasons. But mm -hmm. you know, once we're over this little hump or the, this little bump, you could say, um, <laughs> then yeah, then then we can proceed with uh, with the business plan. Right, because I'm thinking, you know, somebody that's wanting to to put their 401k, you know, they start doing these uh, mini joint ventures as I you know as I'm tuning in, and then with the second uh, wave of the stimulus that you know. Of course, they're signing off. Um, I read something into the effect that they will be uh, adding on to this EI or unemployment insurance and kind of giving everybody a break. What's your take on that? I mean, yes, it's good for us as real estate investors and, and running these, you know, apartment buildings and housing. It's good for us. But what do you think the impact would be for in general, for everybody that's been laid off, I think it's about 35 million or 36 million uh, reported um, right now. So, I, and I know it's not just U.S. that's you know affected, of course, worldwide. But specifically speaking, as far as real estate is concerned, um, do you see any impact that could be negative as well with this stimulus package and and how you're running your business? You know, as far as the apartments and you know, paying rent and, you know, now are you looking for long-term or short-term? I mean, that's going to be the, the ripple effect. So what's your take on that? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I think for immediate reasons, it's, it's necessary. We have to have these stimulus packages. Otherwise, we're going to go into a, a, like a deep, deep, you know, uh, recession, right? Um, so you have to sort of, you know, that's why they're called a stimulus package, right? You have to stimulate the economy. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, like I said, it's very much needed. Now, you know, what is also doing is, you know, because there's extra, you know, capital there for uh, per week for unemployment, you know, mm -hmm. a, a lot of people out there are, are probably making more money. And I, and I would say the majority were making more money than they were before, you know, before they, they got laid off or uh, pre-COVID, right. right? So, so for us to get back to a normal, you know, you know, economic environment, then you have to be able to, to, to reduce that, right? You have to be able to reduce that and, and make people want to go back to work, right? You know, because um, ultimately, you know, where are we getting this money from, right? Yes, we're printing trillions right now. Um, but, yeah. you know, the, the, I mean, where's it? It's not for free, right? We're, we're not just printing out of, out of a free, right? It's going to hurt us in the long term as well. So, so we have to get back to normal. Um, and so I think these, these are, it's, it's, uh, it, they're much needed, but it, it will sort of hurt us, you know, I, I would say in the long term, because we're, we're going to be much more in, in debt, you know, that's the, the downside to it. But, um, so yeah, um, our, our residents, luckily for us, um, you know, we have a, a good number of residents that haven't needed them necessarily. Um, and, you know, they, they still have retained their jobs. Um, so it's just a small percentage that have had to use these, these unemployment benefits. Um, and, and, and some of these 
that have not that did not receive unemployment benefits also got um, some help from uh, local nonprofit organizations like churches, uh, those type of things, or or the or the city itself. You know, so that that's been a good uh, surprise as well. Are they reporting to you as you know? Uh, as far as like their current scenario, hey, I've just got, you know, been laid off. Here's my scenario. Like, is that something that you are checking on with your tenants at all as part of your, your structure with them? Or I mean, yeah, how, yeah, how yeah. are you learning about it uh, from them? Yeah, so we have a property management company that's, you know, it's, is there day to day and, and they're, you know, communicating directly with the, with our residents. So anytime that somebody has an issue or they've been laid off or, or they need some assistance, then then our, our, our team is able to, you know, reach out to them, you know, one-on-one and even walk them through the process of, of applying for, for assistance if, if necessary, right? Um, you know, sometimes that's through the government, the federal government, or sometimes that's the local government, um, city government, state government. So it's just really, the, you know, really depends. But, you know, that's that's one thing that, that we also pride ourselves in is, is staying um, with the latest information that's out there that we can provide that to our residents and, and they can take action uh, right away, you know? So how's, how's your experience working with a property manager or management? Is that something that you outsource or is that in-house? Is it your own, you know, division with your company? I'm curious to understand like what the relationship looks like when you're working with so many uh, multifamily housing uh, as an investor. You for know, sure, for sure. Do you use the same? Do you, I mean, you're all the way in Arizona and Texas. So how does yeah. that work? So, so for Arizona and Texas, I mean, unless you have like, like more of a national, like a larger property management company, um, then likely it's going to be two different management companies, right? One, one that's local to, to the Arizona market that understands that market, that understands the, the type of product that you're also, um, you know, acquiring. And, and, and so, and then for Texas, the same thing, right? So we have a couple of different management companies that we use. Um, they're not in-house. These are third party. Um, although that's, that is one area that we're also uh, planning on to, to go uh, to is to, is to bring it in-house eventually. Uh, but right now it's, it's currently uh, third party. Um, and, and so that, that's, that's the relationship right there, right? So we do third party um, across the, the, the deals that we have and it's been working out great for us as well. So you've built that relationship where there's, you know, sort of that um, trust in there that they're handling, you know, the way you want it to be handled. What are some of the issues that's happened before? If you may, you know, kind of give us that insight with uh, using that third party or outsourcing that property management. So, there been so any we haven't, issues? yeah, so we haven't had any issues. Uh, okay. Thank God we haven't um, come across that, that uh, scenario, but you know, I would imagine that there, there could be. And, and a lot of that is just um, having the right team in place. So when I say team, having the right regional, because the regional, you know, it's, it's so critical in the success of, of your investment. Um, so it's having a, a regional manager that, that is experienced, um, but not only experienced, but experienced with the type of product and the type of demographics that, that you have, right? Um, so for example, like, you know, if, if we have a, a B product or let's say a C product, right? Let's, we have a C deal, right? C, C class deal. Um, we're not going to hire a class A property manager, right? Because right. They, they deal with different types right. of clients that they deal with different types of residents, right? Um, and so, you know, vice versa, right? If we buy an A, a 
a class A deal, we're not going to go with a, a class C property manager, right? So it has to be um, the same. They have to understand that type of demographic. And then it also goes down to your, 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 your property manager, right? The one that's on site, right? So there, ha there has to be good communication there. Um, and, you know, we want managers that are, um, that, that are always staying ahead and that are proactive, right? Um, if you're waiting for us to, to always, you know, direct you in, in what you're doing and, and direct you in the next steps, then you're probably not the best one to be, you know, for us, right? At least. So we want people that are proactive, um, that are, you know, coming to us with, with possible solutions. And then we can uh, put our heads together and, and see if that's the best scenario and best solution for that type of situation that's going on. Right. Um, but, but yeah, like I said, you know, uh, luckily for us, we haven't had much um, bad situations, um, at least from our experience. Well, take us through, like, since we're talking about property management, like, how do you begin that, you know, sort of the partnership, like, and, and, and take us through, like, how did you come together as far as like what they're getting compensated by managing your assets? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of this relationships, right. Uh, relationships and also uh, referrals, right. So, you know, luckily for me, I have a lot of colleagues that are also in the space, right. So you, you, you ask them and you ask them for their opinion and for referrals and, um, you know, and, and the guys will be honest, right? They'll be honest and, and tell you what's going on and, and don't go with this manager for this reasons or, or, or they were good on this type of property, but not this type of property, you know, and, and whatnot, right? So uh, the other thing that's very important to note uh, real quick as a side note is, you know, if you're working, you know, I'm, I'm in Houston. So if I have a deal in San Antonio, but I have a property manager that's, that's primarily in Dallas and maybe in Houston, then they haven't been exposed to San Antonio, right? So maybe they're not the best one to go with, right? Unless you have like a portfolio that you're, you're going to acquire and maybe they're going to have, you know, a dedicated team for you. But if you're, if you're going to buy like a 100 unit, 150 unit, then um, there, it's going to be their one um, outlier type of property that they're, that's, they may not, it may not get the, the most attention as well, right? So that's one thing to know as a side note, but um, really the, the best ways to build these uh, relationships with these people, uh, with the property managers is through networking, through referrals. Um, you know, once you get to that point, then uh, you can, you know, you, you start finding uh, different properties that you can possibly acquire. And then you start running different scenarios with them. They can get you perform a you know, budget and all that, all that type of thing. But, you know, it's really understanding who, who's, who's going to be the one that's going to be running your, your property. If it is that you go with them. Um, so there's a lot of different little pieces in there, right. That, that are very important to note. Um, and, and yeah, you work side by side. I mean, that's your, that's your property manager. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's managing your, you know, multi-million dollar deal, you know? Well, what, what flavor does Juan bring to this success where you've kind of, you know, started and, and maybe take us back, you know, when you kind of dove into real estate, maybe share a little bit of that. And, and what was the flavor that you brought in? I like to call it flavor, you know, kind of what, what got you to the point where you're, where you are now, but what you've become as you move forward, regardless of COVID, you know, cause I'm sure you have a vision, like you said, a business plan, but I'm sure you have that vision that you're constantly leveling up to. So maybe take us a little bit to that, you know, how it all got started for you and what really drove you and, and what, what is it about you that makes it successful? Yeah. You know, yeah, no, definitely. So I got started in, in single family. And, you know, my, my last house that I, that I had, I, it was vacant. It became vacant, right? So it was rented for, for, for a good while. And then it was vacant because the resident had to leave. 
Um, and so it was just a short period of time, but that was the best thing that ever happened to me because during that time I also had to pay for the expenses, the insurance, the utilities, you know, you know, taxes, whatever, right. Repairs. And so it was during that time that, that I was, um, that I had to pay for all those expenses that I realized like, Hey, if I would have just had like a, a 10 unit or a 20 unit, then, you know, it would have been one resident down, then the property still would have you know been running fine. Right. No, no big deal. It, it would not have, have lost a, a step. And so that's when the idea of multifamily kind of, you know, just popped into my mm-hmm. head. Right. Um, and, and yeah, shortly after that, six months after that was when I, when I closed on my first multifamily property, which was a 32 unit, um, that I acquired, you know, just outside of Houston. Um, and so, you know, that, that property was acquired, um, you know, direct to owner, there, there was no okay. broker involved. It was, you know, through a direct mail marketing, um, and, you know, we're able to negotiate, you know, close it. Um, and then, you know, improve the property, improve the operations, um, and improve the quality of life for the residents. And so when, when you talk about flavor, you know, I guess what we do is, is we're, we're more of a, a value add type of investor, right? So, so we like to improve the quality of, of the residents, um, it, which also improves our returns for our investors or for, for us. Right. Um, and so if you're, if you're doing that, residents will, will pay you, you know, a higher rent, you know, and they'll, they'll pay you more, more, um, other income as well if you're providing more amenities. So we like to improve these properties and, and that gives us a pride and the joy to, to see the big improvement um, that, that has become from the, the moment that you took over to the, to- the moment that the property's improved. Um, so that's been the majority of our, our, our deal flow. It's been value add um, type of deals, you know, B and C type of assets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also looking at new construction deals. So we're looking at different land, tracks of land, uh, to be able to, you know, develop some, some properties. Um, and, you know, we're, we've been looking at new uh, construction deals. So these are deals that, that are newly constructed that are still in lease up. Um, mm-hmm. So they're still like, you know, going through that lease up phase and, um, you know, those type of deals. So we're, we're looking at both scenarios because we also want to add that to, to our, our investment, um, you know, portfolio as well, you know. Your repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think the real estate development is quite interesting to me. So when you said that, it was like, whoa, okay. Because I think that's what's piquing my interest more than anything right now. Um, so since you kind of brought that up, I mean, where are you at looking at these developments? Are you just staying in Texas or are there like sub pockets that you're looking at or rather, rather uh, not sub pockets, uh, suburbs, building those you know, subdivisions and neighborhoods and adding that benefit to potential renters or owners that you're selling to? Um, and I like the fact that you mentioned about, you know, that flavor, which is value add, because I think, but then there's also that, you know, devil's advocate, right? With the multifamily, let me just kind of, you know, maybe this is a, this is a good topic. Um, Cause when I was looking at multifamily and then now we have the stimulus package and, you know, economy is kind of up in the air. I'm thinking, do you feel that at some point after that stimulus package, what's going to happen? I mean, people that were laid off, they're not going to go back to the norm norm, right? They're not going to maybe feel as motivated to look for the job. So is there something strategically that you uh, as an investor, you know, are looking at that and saying, well, what's our plan B? What's the, what's the, the, the maybe safety net so that if these people should not go back to work or somehow there's no work to go back to, what's going to happen to them financially? So that's sort of how I look at multifamily is maybe there are some risks like that. And it's, it's no fluff. That's, that's real 
kind of real talk, you know, about what could happen with all those renters, because obviously they're renting for a reason. And maybe sometimes when you look at them, they're maybe younger than older, right? Because they're just starting their careers, you know, financially, they're not, they don't have the nest egg yet. Um, the other side is developing. So there's also risks, right? So if you're, you know, acquiring the land and you're building from ground zero to up, you know, what is the market for that? Especially right now, we're amidst all of this pandemic. So maybe, you know, share your, your insight and your wisdom that maybe, you know, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, very good questions. Um, so for the first question, what I would say is, you know, we always have to look at the downside, right? And everything that we do, um, you know, it's an investment, right? So um, look at the upside, look at the downside. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm more of a optimistic person, right? So I, I look at it from the viewpoint of, yes, there's a lot of downside. Um, but also these, the, the shutdown was a government shutdown. It was a forced shutdown, right? It wasn't like, like a, a natural recession where, you know, uh, things, you know, jobs were just lost, you know, out of, out of thin air, right? It, it was like, you know, shut down. You can't go anywhere, you know, so people are not buying, people are not going out. And, and so, so businesses had to shut down because there was no more of that, that consumer spending, right? So in my opinion, um, you know, yes, there's going to be some permanent job losses. We, we know that that's hundred percent guaranteed, but I think a lot of these jobs will come back. Um, you know, and you know, a lot of it, I think it will, will actually after the election, there's gonna be a lot of, a lot of jobs coming back. And, and actually we're having a lot of jobs coming back already. Right. So even it, like every single month, you're seeing some of those job increases, right. Um, that, that have been, been coming back. And right. I don't think these are new jobs. I think these are jobs that were there waiting um, that, that are opening up again. So, you know, while, while I believe that it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a, a huge impact, a uh, negative impact, I think that overall it's, we're going to get back to somewhat normal situation, you know, say a year from now, right? Um, you know, if we continue the way that we're going and, and increasing, you know, one and a half million jobs, you know, a month or so, then, you know, a year from now, then we'll be close to normal situation. So that, that's, that's that part, right? Um, as far as the new development, that's a very good question as well, right? Because we don't know what to expect, right? There's so much uncertainty right now, but that's also why I also like it. That's another <laughs> reason why I like it right now, because if, if, you're, if you're going through, yeah, it's a challenge. If you're going through a new development, you don't have to worry about rents right now. You, right. you can, because nobody's been renting from you because you're going to be developing for two or three years anyways. By the right. time the product's done, it's three years from down the road. So it doesn't really matter, right? So rents can go down all they want right now. Um, as long as, you know, they're, they're back to, you know, pre-COVID levels, you know, come through year three, then you're okay, you know? So obviously with new development, there's, there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, it's, it's off of a pro forma, right? That's all you have is a pro forma. You don't have anything yeah. like any data or any T uh, T12 or any previous financials like you do on existing properties. You have like nothing there. All you have is, is other properties in the area that you can base your financials off of. Um, so there's that risk, but I, I like the, the, the upside and, or the, the minimum, the minimize risk in that there is no rent that you have to worry about tomorrow or next month or, or a year from now right? Because you're still in the development process. So that's, the, that's one of the main reasons why we've been looking at it. Um, and and to, to tell you about both of them um, as well, like the, the, the existing properties and also the, the new development and job, job losses and all that. Um, I think that you know, with multifamily specifically, because that's what I do, right? With multifamily specifically, um, I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take that much of a hit 
um, here come, you know, a year from now or, or, or so, or so, because there's so much capital out there that's waiting on sidelines and the interest rates are, are still historic lows. Um, and so it's, it's cheap money, very cheap money that you can, you can buy, you know, a 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar deal, you know, for next to nothing, right. It's, it's, it's very cheap money. So, um, I think that the pricing is still gonna, you know, stay close to, to where they were or where they are now. We haven't seen a, a reduction in, in pricing yet, you know, and, and we've been in, in a COVID environment for, for many months now, you know, so, and we still haven't seen a, a reduction in pricing. So I don't think we will. I think if anything, it might even go up, right? So it's, it's been resilient. It's been proven that it's one of the most resilient asset classes out there and, and it's going to continue to be resilient. And this is a worldwide global pandemic that, that we're going through and it's still very resilient. So that's why I think that they're going to continue to stay very, um, very competitive. I like how you, you, you know, thought about the whole, there's, there's capital out there. So there's going to be a need. So maybe let's, let's kind of shift to the finance side, you know, for those that are just sort of trying to understand this multifamily sort of uh, strategy when it comes to what do I do? Do I get into these, you know, passively just put my 100, 200K from my 401 and, you know, it's going to sit there for, you know, two, three years, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe take mm -hmm. us on the, the finance side when you are, um, you know, you, when you're talking about developing and it's say it's, it's multi-units or multifamily housing um, and you're, you're bringing on, you know, these LPs, you know, dropping that capital, right? How do you pitch that? Or how do you, not even pitch, but how do you present that? Especially right now during this pandemic, because these are new people that are just trying to pivot, not the ones that are experienced. So take us there, like your insight, like how would that go, you know, for, for those that want to get into this and someone like you from the inside, who's actually running the project, what do you tell them? You know, how do you make them feel like, hey, your 100, 200, whatever amount of money is going to be safe rather than keeping it in your 401k? Let's just kind of, For sure. you know, yeah. yeah, share that insight because yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah, a so hot topic right now. It, it is. So first of all, I mean, it's an investment. So, you know, full disclosure, there's there's nothing guaranteed in, in any type of investment, right? You can, even your 401k is not guaranteed. You can, it can drop in value you know, tomorrow, right? There's especially no guarantee. How, how, yeah, especially how, how volatile it's, it's been um, it this year in 2020, right? It's been up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, in real estate, it's, it's, um, there's no guarantee either, right? But, but I think that long-term real estate has, is, is going to continue to have a need, right? Um, whether that's through, um, you know, housing, which is what we provide, um, whether that's through, you know, a retail or, or just any other asset class, right? I think that it's going to, it's going to be a strong asset class. Um, and so going back to the point that I said earlier, right? In, in, in the, in the investment, right? So this is a, a deal, a, a project, a development project that yes, you know, you're, you're, you may not get a, a return right away because it's a development project. Usually these are, you know, three years and that's when you, you're able to refi into a long-term debt and then you're able to, to gain a lot of that cash flow. And, and one of the benefits also is that you're able to a lot of times refi a big portion of that, of the equity, right. That, that you're able to get, so you're able to cash out. Right. And so um, what I would say to, to investors out there is, you know, really understand what it is that you're looking for. If you're looking for a, a longer term type of investment, which is development, you know, um, there's, there's higher risk involved, right? Because it's a performer. Um, but, but usually it also comes with higher returns. 
So understand yourself and what type of investor you are. If you like the higher risk, um, higher return type of project, um, which in, in a development project is not going to produce any any ca cash flow or returns right away. It's going to be more of a long term. Then that's the right investment opportunity for you. But if you're looking for a cash flow today uh, with lower returns, maybe a little bit less risk, then uh, an existing property is is probably a better choice for you. So with that, I mean like a like a B or C. Um, type of deal that's it's already an existing structure that we buy and we get a finance and all that, right? Um, so it, it just, people have to understand, you know, what type of investor they are uh, because our our investors that we have on the B and C existing workforce housing type of deals, uh, they might not want to invest in a development project, right? Because it's, it's more of a long-term and they understand it, they like it, but, but the, you know, there's something about it that they, they want that cash flow, you know, you know, in six months from now, right? Rather than waiting three years from now. So, that's, that's one of the things I would say, um, as far as, you know, financing and the debt side, um, you know, for both scenarios, they're really, really attractive. As I said earlier, you know, um, money is, is really cheap, you know, as far as, you know, borrowing money is very cheap yes. uh, with lenders. Um, so we're, you know, we're getting, you know, sub threes, um, you know, quotes, you know, um, treasury is very, very low. Uh, spreads are, you know, I don't know how much they are like two and a half, three, 3% or so. Um, and so, you know, even on the development side, same thing, you know, you're able to get like, you know, say like, like a HUD loan um, and you're able to to do a, a construction HUD loan. And then from there you can refi into a long-term HUD loan, which is like 35 years and even lower interest rate. So you have a really good environment for either side that that's, um, that's going to protect you. And, and the other thing I would say um, real quick, um, just to add this as well is if you're, if you're getting an interest rate, like say 3% and your cap rate going in is like a 5%, there's a 200 basis point gap right there. Right. So that usually makes, makes it a, a good investment. Right. Um, if you have a, a good enough gap in there. Right. So even though the cap rates could be lower, um, the interest rates are, are, are even much lower. So it still makes it a good environment to, to borrow money. That's, that's a really good insight. And, and yes, it's everything right now. I mean, with the issues that's, you know, that's happening with, with wall street, you know, many different uh, dynamics, good and bad. Um, and, and, and I know this from even on my side of my business. So it's quite interesting to see your take on it because I know you're, you know, you're more experienced in, in what you're doing compared to someone like me. I've seen it from the, the buy and sell. Um, I started with single family residents as well. And, and this is why I'm on this, uh, you know, path as I call it. So since we're talking about that, what would you share with those that are launching into this? Whether they're going into, you know, fix and flips, whether they're, you know, wanting to be a, an LP in a project like yours or mine, uh, different, you know, different levels of, of risks. Um, what, what's your, your, your insight for them that they're just launching into this? Whether they have a lot of money or not, but what, what would be your best tips? Like what they need to, to look into, what do they need to, to kind of cover as far as their angles as an investor newer midway and, and just kind of them wanting to pivot now, like today, not next year or maybe next year, because we are, you know, four months away from just closing this year, but what would be your best tips for them to kind of look into before? Yeah. Launching? Very good question. So first of all, it always starts with education. Um, 100% education. So, you know, if, if you're new and you're, you're seeing a lot of, you know, shiny objects all over the place and, and you're not sure which one to choose, um, then start with education, right? Find the one that you like, find the one that, that, that kind of, um, you know, it, it, it grows your passion a little bit. 
Um, and then, you know, once you're able to educate yourself enough of it, um, then, you know, find people that are doing it, right? And then, you know, reach out to them, talk to them, you know, find ways that you can add value to them, um, you know, and, and just try to be around people that, that are doing the projects um, if you want to invest passively as well, right? Because you have to build a good relationship with them um, or that, they, you know, they can, you can, you can work together, right? You can invest, you, you can invest in their projects and they can bring you on as an investor. So I would say, make sure that yeah, you educate yourself um, quite a bit. Um, and then you find people that are doing the, the, the type of projects that you want to be in um, and then and take action. That's really the, the it, it sounds very simple and it, it really is simple, right? Just educate yourself, you know, find people and then, and then take action. Um, the problem is a lot of people, they do the first couple and they don't do the, the third part, right? Which is take action, you know, because they get cold feet or they're, they're hoping and, and they're waiting for, for prices to drop or they're waiting for something to happen, right? Something, some type of situation or scenario to change. Right. Um, but then, you know, you look back, you know, you know, five years down the road and it's like, you, you could have taken action, you know, that one at the one moment and you didn't do it, you know, so you could have been that much further ahead. Right. So it goes with everything. If you're, if you're looking to do it actively or if you're looking to do it passively, um, you know, make sure you take action. That's really the, the biggest um, difference in, in the, the people that are successful in the business and people that are not. Right. So you have to be willing to do that. What's your take on new investors or even just regular scenarios? Um, what's your take on working with financial advisors? You know, I, the education part, I like how you, you definitely focus on that. The action is what's missing, but I feel like, or I see that there's so much overload, whether it's online, whether it's networking and all, you know, like all of that. So somebody that's like, Hey, you know what? I want to launch into this. I'd rather, you know, have my money working for me, but then it's like, they kind of, like you said, they get cold feet, but what's your take on them uh, being able to work with a financial advisor? If that is even a strategy, you know? Yeah. So, so, so for me, a financial advisor um, could be a good route. I, um, but personally, I wouldn't. And, and the reason I say that is because usually financial advisors are, are employees for, for, for a company. They don't, they don't have their own investments, right? So they're, they're trying to you know, give you advice on what to invest in, and, and they may not even invest in that project themselves, right? So if they're giving you advice for a 401k, but they're not investors in that stock, then how do they know, right? Or they're trying to give you advice in, in real estate, but they're not investors of real estate, then why would they give you advice, right? So usually financial advisors, um, in most cases, right? I'm not saying this across the board, yes, and yes. this is just my personal opinion again, <clears throat> usually financial advisors are working for somebody else, they're working for a firm, um, and you know, they're, they're, they're getting paid, you know, on a W-2 basis, right? They, you know, so, so they're, they're working for the firm, they're not necessarily investing in, in their own projects, and so, they, they don't, they don't own the firm usually. Um, so th that's what I would say, you know, if you're going to go down that route, then, then be cautious about it as well. Ask them for their, for their type of investments, you know, ask them if, if they have invested in that type of project that you're interested in. Um, if they're not, then maybe you got to go find another financial advisor, right? Find one that, that if you want to do for multifamily, find one that that's focusing on multifamily and they've done multiple projects with their own capital, right? Because if they're asking you to, to invest a hundred thousand, 200,000, 500,000, a million bucks, and they haven't done a dollar, then that's probably not, not the best person to ask. It's my opinion, my, my personal opinion. Right. You know? It's a subjective topic, but you know, I, I hear so much about, oh, you know, I, you know, I have my financial advisor. They, they, you know, they're wanting me to do this, do that. And I actually came across this recently when I ran my own uh, uh, Zoom series where it's kind of just educating women 
you know, kind of, but they're, they're, you know, between, I think fifties and between 50 to 60 year olds that kind of just, you know, with COVID, they decided to shut down their current business. So, you know, with my background, I'm more on the business side. So I'm a business strategist, but real estate is, is my passion. So when I started doing, you know, the series, I learned from them that they have financial advisors. So it piqued my, my curiosity to see what real estate investors like you thought of that. And you, you did make some good points because I think it's finding the right person to work with, irregardless whether they're a financial advisor or not. It's, it's you know, are they doing this? Are they actually hands-on so that they can give you a sound opinion or perspective rather than just kind of getting blinded with, like you said, shiny object, you know, like, hey, I'm a financial advisor. I work for, you know, so-and-so. I, I don't want to uh, drop names, but yeah, you know what I'm no, saying? It's, I, it's I, the I overload, right? That all of these people are going, I don't know where to go. And I came across this in June. And that's, that was the reason why I said, you know what, I'm going to run a four-week series and kind of just educate these women that may have a 401k, that may have done a couple of investments, but they feel like they're stuck working with their financial advisor. And it's not really getting them anywhere, but you're not in a position to tell them that. Like, hey, you know, quit your financial advisor. Just, just go do this and do it. You're not going to tell them that, but you want them to be equipped enough to say, let, let me step back and let me figure out what I need to do. Um, and I feel like it's lacking that right now, whether you're young or older, you know, so I don't know yeah. what your, your take on that. I mean, so I, I'm always, you know, I've always been on the take of like, if, if I want like fitness advice, then ask somebody that's, that's fit, that works out, you know, five, six <laughs> right. days a week, right? Not somebody that's, that hasn't worked out like in a year, right? So I ask, ask the advice from that person that's doing it, right? So if, if I want business advice, ask for somebody that has, you know, you know a couple of different businesses that have been very successful for, you know, 20, 30 years, right? If, if I want marriage advice, you know, I don't go ask the, the, the 20 year old kid that just got married, you know, two months ago, ask the, the couple that's been married for, you know, 50, 60 years for marriage advice, right? Um, so uh, the, in my opinion, I think, you know, ask the people that, that are professionals that, that, are, that are doing it. Um, you know, if, if you want business advice, then ask people that are doing business and, and so on, right? It's, it's, uh, um, that's just my viewpoint, right? Again, you know, but there are some very bright people out there um, that, that can give some solid advice. Um, you know, it just, you know, everybody has to, to choose, you know, if they're the right people for them or not, you know, that's, that's, that's what I can say. Seeing that lack of action, right? Like you're saying, they may have all this education, you know, they've got like their own professional skills that could be, you know, helping them launch into the real estate game, but they don't take actions because they get cold feet or, you know, they just suddenly like fear this risk. So, I mean, when you're looking at it from a bigger, it is scary. Like you're going, oh my gosh, I'm going into this. Because I remember going into that. I was, I was in the financial market crash with my husband in 2007 that actually pushed us to start our small consulting business in, in the tech space. So okay. we're still running it today. And nice. the, the interesting thing is we're here again, this, this pandemic. And so we didn't feel any fear because we figured, oh my gosh, in the next 10 years, everything's going to be digital. Everything is going to need some kind of technology, whether it's AI, whether it's, you know, going into a more digital marketing approach with any business. So we're seeing brick and mortar businesses that didn't survive because they didn't think of that need. So what do you think, what do you recognize in the real estate space? Because I know the tech space is still, you know, a little different, um, but from the marketing standpoint, 
you know, where, where do you see that kind of correlating, you know, with the whole tech and, and digital and, and kind of incorporating that and in how you market the business, how you market, you know, your syndication, you know, maybe share yeah, that. That's, that's a very, that's a very good question. Yeah. Um, so I would say from the, the resident perspective, right. Our existing residents at the properties, um, you know, you want to give them a good experience, you know, make, make things digital, like you said, right. So what, what do I mean by that? Like their payments, right. If you're still collecting, you know, cash and, and, and checks and money orders and only, then you're, you're way past, right. You're, you're like in, in you know, old days, right. You have to be, be able to, to change and evolve and adapt. And, and so, you know, part of that is, is making everything electronic, right. Electronic payments, right. Um, and electronic, um, or, or digital, um, communication, right. Mm. You know, internal, yes, internal. yes, internal, even with your residents. So, right. So, you know, um, you know, emails, instead of going to send them letters, you know, at their doors, you can send them emails, send them texts, you know, uh, most people are, are on their phones like all the time. So text messages, uh, is very important, um, for, for new residents, you know, you got to make the experience as, as online as possible. And mm -hmm. what do I mean by that? I, you know, so if I'm looking for an apartment, I search for, for an apartment in a certain area and then I go to the, I get to this property. And, and so I, I want to be able to know if I can, you know, um, view the property. So I'll do like, like a virtual tour of the property inside the unit. So like, you know, you're going through it. yeah, exactly. You're, you're going through the, the, the units and, and you're going through the, the living room, you're going through the kitchen, you're going through the, the bathroom, you're going through the whole um, area of the, the property. And then you're going, you're doing an outside virtual tour, right? Um, especially because of COVID-19, right? But e even, even without that, right? People, people like value their time, right? Um, and then if, if they like it, then they can go through the process right then and there and, and, and apply, right? And mm. once you apply and you, you're, you're approved, then you go to the property and right. then, you know, you get the keys and, and then you're off on your own to your unit, you know, simple as that, right? So you have to make that experience more automated is what I'm saying, right? Automated. That's the key so word, yes. That's the key, that's the key word, you know, have, have automation. Um, so I think, you know, people are not doing that, then, you know, they're going to be left behind. Um, you know, make sure you, you add amenities, right? There's more and more common that, that we're adding amenities uh, such as, you know, Wi-Fi, such as, um, you know, digital thermostats, right? Uh, you know, smart thermostats, right? Th those type of things. And if you're not doing that, then, then you're, you're staying behind. You're still in like in the old days, right? So I think you have to, you have to improvise, you have to, you know, adapt and, and, and change. Um, and if you're not willing to do that, you will be left behind. Well, I love the fact that you said the key words. It really is. It's systemizing and automating that. And I, and I really believe that it's in any business, but in real estate, I think it's even more key to do that because of the whole, like you're saying, is your customer experience, your, your tenants and just the flow of the internal process. So that's sort of where we kind of, you know, specialize in as well. So that's why I was kind of thinking, gosh, you know, I need to solve my own problems. So this is what I recognize in March because the buy and sell, I have a lot of um, realtors and brokers. They come to me and they, they ask for off market deals. So of course you have to automate that. There's no such thing as let me go and type every email and gather those information. So anyway, I just wanted to, to tell you yeah, that that is so key, the, the system and the, the automation part. Um, but I think going on, on the other side, like the marketing, because obviously our job is to continuously raise private money, private capital. Mm -hmm. So how do you approach that from a, a digital, you know, 
now kind of going into the future approach? Do you use a certain app software that maybe listeners would, would like to clue into that, you know, as part of their education um, that they're kind yeah. of you know, going into? So share that with us if you have any insight. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we keep it simple. Um, you know, we use Google um, for, for pretty much everything, right? So uh, Google, you know, Drive, we use Dropbox. Uh, you know, we, we have CRMs uh, that we use. And so, you know, how do we stay in front of the, the, the possible investors? Um, you know, we have to make sure that they know that we exist, right? If, if you don't, if, if you don't, they don't know that you exist and then you don't have a business, right? Uh, people need to be able to know who you are and, and find out, you know, who you are like quickly, right? So if they search my name, if you can search my name on, on Google now and you'll, you'll probably see a bunch of different things that pop up, right? And, and most of them will be um, real estate related, right? Um, so that's, that's the thing, you know, people have to be able to find you quickly. Um, but, you know, social media is very important as well, right? Um, you know, I always go to the, the ABM. What is ABM? You know, always be marketing, right? Um, and that's, it's another way, right? Marketing, but adding value, right? Not just, you know, marketing and look at me, look at me, look at me, right? It's Where like, do you rank that? Where do you rank your, your social media presence? Is that your, your number one priority or is it more like you're just prioritizing your current investor pool of investors? Sort of so, yeah, so we, we try to maintain um, our, our priority is, is maintaining our relationship with our investors uh, because um, the, the overwhelming majority has been referrals. Um, and so it hasn't been like new investors from like social media or anything like that. It's, it's more, more been, um, referrals from the existing investors right. that we have. So we take, we take care of them. Um, and then, you know, they hopefully can also refer us to, to new investors and it can keep growing that way. Right. Um, and so, um, I would say that, you know, just, just social media marketing is, it's, it probably takes a little bit of a, a lower step, but it's still high. Um, but, you know, we, we try to, you know, nurture the relationships that we have right now because we, we value our, our investors, right? Um, you know, and, and social media doesn't, doesn't mean that you're going to get somebody or a new investor anyways, right? Uh, it's just you putting market out or putting content out there and, and hopefully it's, it's valued to either active guys or, or somebody that could be passive, but just, just continue to put, you know, content out there. Um, and like I said, you know, our current investors are what we try to take care of, you know. I agree because I think social media is a whole new beast, you know, when you're, yeah. you're getting out there. But I think even with your podcast in mind, that is part of social media. So when people do want to search you, they can find that somehow. So it's not necessarily a, a top priority because I think if you're already currently involved with your, you know, network, then you definitely have to prioritize taking care of them uh, more than, you know, creating new content, creating new stuff. Um, yes. Every time. And, and, and I would say that, you know, it's still very important, right? Very um, but it's still very important and we still continue to do that. Right. But, um, you know, we also do appreciate our investors. So that's, that's, that's why we, we, we have that, that sort of, if there is any kind of rank, you know, that's why their rank yeah. is like that. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean to say that, you know, you know, marketing is not important. It's, it's, it's important for every business. Yes. You know, if, if people don't know who you are and they, they can't find you, then, then you have no business, you know, as simple as that. Marketing is, is the, uh, how do you say, if you're not marketing, then you have no business. If you're, if you're not doing any of that, you have no business. So let's, exactly. let's talk a little bit of, of personal before we, you know, sort of uh, uh, conclude. You know, I, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you uh, studied in school and what would you say to, 
your 18 year old self because you see i have an 18 year old son who's preparing for college and so he's taken interest in real estate but he's he's also a football player so he's a student athlete very uh very um let's just say he's he's not one of those you know let's party kind of you know hyper type you know teenager but it's interesting to see his involvement from, you know, being this, this young kid going into, you know, being a young man. And so college is, is definitely a topic at home. And, um, you know, tell us a bit, you know, a little bit about what your journey was, you know, graduating high school. What did you study? Do you think your message for, for those that are 18 and, and young millennials, do you think that going to school and having that degree, where does that take place as far as importance level? You know, do you think it defined where you're headed now? Yeah. So I can tell you a little bit about me and then I'll, then I'll kind of go back to, to your, your son. So for me, when I graduated high school, I went to technical school, right? Because I, I graduated, you know, excellent academics, you know, 4.0 GPA uh, with wow. honors. And, you know, I wanted to, but, you know, I was just pretty much done with school. I wanted to, to get to working, right? Um, and, and start making, making some money, right? Um, and, and so I went to technical school because it was much shorter um, and I was able to, to make a good salary um, much quicker, right? As opposed to, you know, going to a four-year college and um, maybe making, you know, 30, 40, 50 grand, you know, I was able to, to get this done within a year and a half um, and then start making, you know, much higher so income. So te technical that. and vocational. That's yes, what, yes. What that, that, that was the path I chose. Um, and, you know, that's what I did for, for many years. Um, and then during that process, you know, I, I, I wanted to get into real estate, right? Because I wanted to create passive income. And then here I am today, right? right. So what I would say for, for your son, um, he, he, he wants, I mean, he's 18 years old, you know, he's a football player. Um, he's, he's in a moment of, he could be going to, to college. You know, he's, he's still, he's at a crossroads right now, right? He's trying to decide to go this way or go this way, right? Um, I think that, that um, the school is still important. Um, I, I think overall, um, it has taken um, a little bit of a, a negative, um, uh, negative um, headlines, you know, lately because you know many people are are looking to be business owners versus you know going to work. You know, you're going to four or six or eight years of college, oh and then and then you're you're working for somebody, right? That, that's that's right. what it is, right? You're going to be working for somebody else uh, for a long time. So really, you have to understand that your son has to understand what it is that he wants to do, right? If you if he's okay with you know going to maybe he wants to be a doctor right maybe that's what it is right maybe he chooses to be a doctor so you have to go to medical school for 8 10 12 years or whatever it is right and then you're going to be, be a doctor but that's what you chose to do that's what you, you you felt that you had that passion for but if that's not what you want to do um say you know maybe your your job is going to be behind a you know a cubicle right you're behind a computer screen all day long if that's not what you envision then you got to find something else that's going to that's going to fuel that fire right and, and um, a lot of times that's working on your own, right? Being a business owner. So I think he's, he's got to try to understand what it is that he could want to do. Um, and, but the good thing is that he's 18 years old, right? So here's the other thing I would say is, you know. And there's a lot of them right now. There's a lot of 18 year olds with COVID, yes. with pandemic, you know, graduation was halted for 2020 class. Now we don't even know 2021 class if they're even going to have that. So just imagine kids listening to this and, yeah, and it, yeah. they will, they will find somehow, you know, that crossroad, like you're saying, is that it's so important. So what sparked you? I mean, if you don't mind kind of including that in what your insight was, like what sparked you from technical school and then got into real estate? Like, is that something that you knew already right off the bat? You're like, well, I'm doing real estate. 
Yeah. <clears throat> so since I was younger, I wanted to get into real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I never really did it. I never really took that action to be able to do it, right? Um, my dad was in real estate, so that, that kind of sparked a little bit of interest, right? But except he, he was the one that was kind of doing it all, right? He was the he wore all the hats, so to right. speak. Um, and so I kept looking at real estate, but then I was like, man, you know, I don't want to be doing this and doing that and doing this, like, you know, mowing the lawn and, you know, fixing the you know, sink and whatever, right? So for me, it was like, you know, get into real estate, but do it the right way. So leverage people, right? And, 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 and scale, use, you know, get to a point where you can scale. Enterprise level. Enterprise yes. Level. And, yeah. and grow a business right. as opposed to having your own personal actual growth. business. It's not wearing yes. 10 hats. Right. Exactly. And so that, that's the biggest difference, I would say. Um, and so, you know, that, that's what kind of sparked it, right? Is, is you know, having that, that passive income, you know, coming in and, and like that, you can, you know, I can still do other things if I want to, but I'm also having passive income coming in, right? And so that's, that's one of the beauty beauties of, of real estate. So I would say, you know, going back to, to your son is, you know, don't force anything. Um, you know, you're still young, you're 18 years old. You don't have to know what it is that you want to do tomorrow. Um, you know, but, you know, I would say, you know, get out there and, and just, you know, maybe work for free. That's one of the maybe uh, most uncommon type of um, learn. advice. Yes, that, that I would say is it work to learn. So if, if it is real estate, for example, because we're talking about real estate, if it is real estate that you want to get into, and maybe you want to get into development, maybe that's what you want to do. Well, go, you know, find a developer, uh, build a relationship with them, find ways that you can add value to them. And then eventually you may be working for free, but you're adding value to them, right? You're doing all these errands and you're running all these errands and you're doing all these little things that, that he doesn't want to do, but you're doing them for free, right? But you're getting all this knowledge that, that you wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. Right. right. And then, and then maybe you, you find out that that's, that's exactly what you want to do. And then you go to, you go to school or go to college and you go and major in, in, in real estate and development and whatever. Right. And then, and then you take them both. You take the experience that you learned, you take the, the, the formal education that you learned and you put them together and you start your own business, you know? So that's just an example, right? So I would say, you know, working for free is, is so much better than working um, for, for very little, for somebody, right? Or going to not, college right? and then going into their student debt. Yeah, yeah. If so they're not in scholarships, right? Exactly. So, so find people that you can add value to, and, and that might be the, the better um, route that you could take, right? Because you can go, go get a job after college, and you're, you're making, you know, 20, 30, you know, 50 grand, or whatever they're going to be making, right? Um, but that's what you've been trained for. So you're going to continue to make, you know, that, that range, and you may get a little pay increases, but you're still going to continue to be their employee, you know, and then you might switch around and move to another firm or wherever, but you're still an employee, right? So, you know, you're 18, you may be doing this at 20 years old, working for free, um, but you're working to learn, like you said, and it's that knowledge that you can't take back. It's that experience that you can't take back. And then you're, now you're 22 and now you're like at a different level, right? So that's what I would say to a lot of, you know, um, you know, kids these right. days, right? And it doesn't have to be 18. Well, they don't even have to be 18. You could be 30. Yeah. And you're like, gosh, I'm, I'm burnt out from my job, my day job or day career. And I need to launch. I need to launch some kind of, you know, business. So do you think that real estate is a business? It, it is. Well, it, it is a business. It, it, is, it a is a business. And if you're not treating it as a business, then you're doing it wrong. Yes. So, you know, real estate is a business. Um, it, you know, even if you have a couple of single family homes, um, it's a business. You, should, you, should, you should be treating it as a business from day one. Right. So that's a mentality you have to have. Um, you know, so that's what I would say, you know, try to, try to find something that, that excites you, 
Um, but it could be, you know, you want to be a doctor, like I said right earlier. Like, that could be what, what you want to do, right? You want to be you a teacher, you want to be a doctor. Lives. Yeah. You know, find it is what it is that you want to do, right? Just know that there's always a sacrifice in everything, right? You want to be a doctor? Yes, you know, you can make some, some a good living, but there's your sacrifice you have to put up front, which is going to be, you know, 18 years of schooling, and then you're going to be working long hours, you know, six, seven days a week or whatever it is, right? If you want to be a teacher, then yes, it, yeah. it could be, it could seem a little bit more relaxed, but, you know, also dealing with a lot of uh, paperwork, dealing with a lot of students, um, and also very um, much lower pay. I think right? it's but then, paid, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you're, you're paid, you're paid much less, but then you're off, you're off for the summer, you're, you're off, you know, all these holidays. So then, you know, you, there's, for everything that you do, there's a sacrifice. So find and out I, I what like it is that you, you want to sacrifice. That. I like how you said that, the upfront. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you want to make those sacrifices up front, whether you go to school for six years, eight years, 10 years, right? Deep inside, whether you're 18, 25, 30, 40, right? 50, you have to understand, well, are those sacrifices, you know, worth it for me? And then yes. when you look at business and real estate, it's risky on the front end, but it's a longer term play, right? Yes. You're playing for the longer run for it. It's not like, I'm just going to do this and see if I'm interested in it. It's almost like it's working for you, even though you know in the beginning when you're starting out this real estate business, you're working for it. And then eventually it's going to start working for you. So a lot, of, a lot of times, a lot of people that are not familiar with this, they think, what does that mean? You know, like, let the money work for you. You know, let, it, it's, like, it's like they can't grasp, you know, what that actually means. And so I think what you said, what you touched on, it's a longer term play when you want to get into real estate and it is a business. And if you're not treating it as a business, that's already something you need to kind of step back and, and rethink and, and, you know, reevaluate and kind of, kind of put your mind to it because if not, you're going to wear 10 different hats. And I don't think yes. that's the new way of doing it in this new decade. You know, you got to learn no. how to um, outsource. You got to learn how to hire people. You know, there's dynamics into it. What's your favorite part? in real estate and what's your least favorite part i'm curious yeah that's a good question i, I would say my favorite part is is putting deals together um that i would say that's that's probably you know you know far and away that my favorite part is, is finding deals you know talking to brokers you know and and just you know structuring the deals and that type of that type of um uh task uh the, the least favorite is i would say is is um is you know dealing with um you know, the, the, the situations that happen, right? Because it's always something that happens, right? If you're in real estate for, for, for a long time, there's going to be all kinds of different situations. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of surprises that, that, that come up, you know, and, and so you have to be willing to take those, right? So I would say that those surprises, uh, unexpected situations and circumstances that come up are, are, are obviously for me, my, my least favorite. Um, I would add to my favorite also is, is when, we, when we make distributions to our investors, it just makes this like it makes me feel like really right, good right. that hey hey we're we're working we're here with you um we're working for you um right. and and here's your here's a distribution from from this property your investment um it makes them feel good it makes me feel good so um that's another one of my favorite parts of it too and if you don't like that part might not be for you <laughs> might not be for you yeah <laughs> if you don't like to give and it's i i i this may not be for you disclaimer there (laughs) right there's no i in in investing right it's it's Mm -hmm. building a team building people that complement you um you know your your net your network is really your net worth 
in that sense, because that's where it grows. That's where you're able to scale with those relationships, sure. with those referrals. So, uh, you know, in closing, what are you reading right now? I'm just curious, like what books have you been interested in as far as that's helped you with your mindset, helped you with, you know, just sort of the, the, the personal growth? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I can go on and on on, on this one because, you know, I love, I love to, to read. Um, so I would say the book that I'm reading right now, um, I just started reading it just a couple of days ago. It's, and it's funny because we're talking about marketing. Um, and this, this book is called uh, One Million Followers, right? Oh, yes. And, and, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm not reading it to, to get one million followers. If it happens, it's good, right? But I'm not getting it for that, re reading it for that reason. I'm reading it just to learn some strategies, right? that I can pick up and, and, and use, um, and just to increase, you know, increase my, my exposure. Right. right. So th that's the book I'm currently reading. Uh, the book that I read before that was, um, powerhouse principles from a, oh. from a developer based out of, uh, out of Miami. Uh, he's a condo developer. Um, and so I, I found that uh, book to be very helpful. Um, but before that I, I've been reading a lot of uh, biographies, um, mm -hmm. from people, right. So like Elon Musk, um, Sam Walton, uh, making, um, or made in America. Um, and then what you know, um, the everything store, for, that's, you know, Jeff Bezos. And then, um, the other one was, um, which one was it? I can't remember the name of it, but Oh, Phil Knight, shoe dog. So the name was shoe dog, right? That was Phil Knight with Nike, the, the founder mm -hmm. of Nike. Right. So, so I like to read, um, just to get an insight of how these guys think and, and, um, and how they make decisions. Right. So it, those are very helpful, but yeah, I read a lot of personal development books as well, but those are been, those have been like the last five or six books that I've wow. read. Yeah. You, you're going to have to, uh, to send me, uh, the infos on that so I can, you know, share that with everyone. Um, because I, I'm like you, you know, kind of reading, um, what people are about, um, personal, you know, growth and the mindset is so important in any business. I think in, in the entrepreneurial path, you have to constantly seek that. Um, I'm currently reading. I'm curious on that power. Is it powerhouse? That book right now principles. Yes. Is it powerhouse principles? So I'm, I'm interested in that one. Um, so I'm definitely going to check it out, but I'm, I'm reading right now, believe it or not. Um, it's by Patrick Donahoe and went to a webinar. Very grateful for that webinar. Um, ended up getting a free book and it's called heads. I win tails. You lose. And it's quite interesting because my kids started taking interest in reading it. it it's kind of like the next level financial literacy. Mm -hmm. um, but for someone like me, that's, you know, kind of, I, I mean, my career started in, in the banking industry. So I was exposed in my 20s already. You know, I worked to learn, but I was also getting paid at that time. So built sort of my career going there. And reading this book, I definitely would recommend to everyone that wants to kind of expand their financial knowledge um, because, you know, with the pandemic, like you're saying earlier about, you know, government shutdowns, like that was forced. That wasn't like a natural kind of like where everybody lost their jobs and there was just no money, you know, happening in, in the country, right? It was, it was had to do with safety and health. So I think with a lot of people that don't know financial education outside what they learn, like, oh, you know what? I have a budget I'm saving you know, I get my paycheck every two weeks or whatever. They, they think they know that. But after looking at, you know, some of these very similar to this book, wow. Like even someone like me was just like, wow. Like I, why did I not think about that? You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm not that young either. So my <laughs> exposure, you know, it's like, wow. Like I could 
not not show it to my kids you know, or show it to someone that I know. So I like this because actually I, you're the first one that I asked about the book. So I think I'm going to kind of continue this on the pod because I think it's important, right? Like continuously reading and kind of learning about other people, whether it's through a podcast or a book. I, I think, I think you're right on. I think if, if, you know, if you're able to pick up a book for 10 bucks, 20 bucks, that's so it's worth it because it. you're, you're reading into the mind of that person that that's super successful. So it's like, he's your mentor in a way, right? He's mentoring you through the book, right? And, and people have to see it from that viewpoint. Like Absolutely. If, if you can, you're paying them, this mentor 20 bucks to give you a lot of information. That's it, 20 bucks. All you have to do is, is, is put in some time to read it. You right. Know? And, and then people don't see it from that viewpoint. They see it like, oh, it's, it's a chore to have to read it. And it's like, you're hurting yourself if you're, if you're thinking that way, right? So I think it's, uh, books are, are, are powerful. I think they're amazing. I think, um, you know, Podcasts are powerful. Yeah, podcasts are powerful. Right? Like, I mean, what? Ten years back, I mean, I was doing this through a teleconference. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't even called podcast, but now you're looking at it like you're saying. You know, with the whole social media, this is powerful. Like, you spending an hour with me is part of mentoring. So mm -hmm. I learned a lot, and I'm sure listeners will learn a lot. And I think that's something that you know, people, whether they're new or old in this industry, should start really digging into because you know, the power of mentorship, the power of working with, like you're saying, people that's, that's been there, that's, that's kind of gone through that. There's just so much wisdom. And, and I think, right. Like, I mean, it's just an investment of your time and buying a book, 10, $20, that doesn't, it's so worth it, you know? And I think it's just really starting to invest in yourself first. And that's where I think a lot of people that don't think as optimistic as you and I, they don't see it like that yet. They don't see that wow, like I have to invest in myself before I could even want that. You know, they, they, they want the instant gratification of success, whatever that success looks to them. So, and, and you know what, what's interesting just in closing is I didn't know the title of your podcast was Commit to Wealth. And, and the name of my business that I've started to, in 2009 actually is Launcher Wealth. And it was to work on the entrepreneurship for women. So it's, it's amazing how we, we kind of have the word wealth because wealth to me, and, and this is, you know, you might have a different take, but to me, wealth isn't just about money. It, it goes beyond that. So what's your take on wealth? That's a, yeah, that's a hundred percent on, um, I think for me, um, when I say that the title commit to wealth, what that means is you have to have everything and that's, that's time right? Through, through hopefully financial freedom, right? That's time. That's family. That's health. Yes. Right? That's, that's, that's your spiritual beliefs. Um, and then oh, there's also money, right? That's involved. Um, but if you don't have any of those, right, then, then you're, you're not, you're, yeah, you're not, you're not in a good position. So all those combined is, is wealth. All those combined <laughs> is wealth. So for you to be able to live a better life, um, you have to focus on each one of those. And we use real estate as, as a financial way to get there. Right. Um, but it helps us you know, with each one of those as well. It's definitely a vehicle to get to that point and being able to live in the present day, present moment is really part of that wealth, whether it's committing to wealth, whether it's launching your wealth, whether it's creating wealth. So I think, you know, even having this opportunity to, to chat with you and, and do this podcast, you know, I think there's so much um, opportunities out there that I think a lot of people should start looking into and not rely on just one thing, whether it's, you know, their jobs or careers or even 
you know, government support. So, you know, in closing, I want to thank you for, for joining me. And uh, I learned a lot, Juan. So thank you so much for doing this. Learning from someone who has started from ground zero and built it up. What an inspiration. I am so glad you're able to join in. If you have any questions or would like to subscribe and share your comments on this platform, I welcome you. And you can find Juan Vargas on his podcast, Commit to Wealth. Until the next episode, thank you so much for tuning in and for giving me this opportunity to share with you the Real Estate Launch series here at Launch a Wealth. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Launch a Wealth and on LinkedIn. Until the next episode, I will see you on the inside.